0: We are going to be in Mark chapter 12 this morning. If you brought your Bibles, if you got it on your device, whatever you've got, uh, we're going to be turning there. As soon as ushers are done taking offering, they're going to come back and uh, walk down the aisle and they'll offer you a Bible. Uh, you can turn there with us. I uh, want to give you a big heads up. Next weekend, we're going to resume our Saturday night service at 5.30, okay? For those of you that are Saturday night attenders, don't forget, we're gonna be back on track, 5.30 p.m. Uh, if this works for you as an option, maybe your work schedule or you've got friends that you know that can't come on Sunday mornings, this is a great option. Not too many churches are doing this uh, anymore, but we've uh, we've tried to provide that as, as a, a, an open door. So. Next week, we'll start that back up again, 5.30 on Saturdays, okay? Um, We, (laughs) this is Labor Day weekend. Uh, You know, it's funny, this weekend comes around, it's kind of part of our deal, it's kind of like the gun goes off, kids go back to school. This week, we'll invite close to 1,000 students here at North Shore Christian Academy to come back uh, this Wednesday, and uh, what a ministry, what an opportunity. And we pray for our teachers and for all of our educators and those who are gonna get back ramped up. But I got to thinking, where, where did the idea of Labor Day come from? How far did, I never had done any research on that. I don't know if you knew this or not. The first state to observe Labor Day was in 1882. and It was in New York. And by 1894, over 30 states had begun to observe uh, this weekend as a weekend that you would celebrate the American worker for the, the social and the economic impact that uh, the, the worker had. And so I just wanna say, if you've ever had a job or, or you currently are employed and have one or you hope to have a job, we celebrate you today, all right? Good for you. All right, that's, lab- that's what Labor Day is all about. Have you guys ever noticed um, that some jobs are just kinda hard to celebrate <laughs> and and maybe, you're, maybe you're in one of those. I ran across uh, a few uh, examples of jobs that, personally, I would have a real difficult time celebrating. What, look, look at some of these. Here's one in particular. If we got that. Okay, now, how would... <laughs> how would <laughs> that would be a tough one, right? How about this one? All right? Now, I, I don't know if that's an American job or not, but that one would be, be a hard one. This one I feel like I can really relate to sometimes, all right? Uh, in particular, okay? <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I couldn't leave it out. I came across a website and it said you only had one job. Some jobs, you know, you just. Some people have a hard time getting the job right. Look at, look at this, this one just killed me. You know? <laughs> you only had one job to do. You at least, you, or this one, watch this. Um, you're saying, you know what? <laughs> We're just gonna make that line work. This is my favorite one though, I think of all, right here. Some guy says, any caught exiting through this door will be asked, asked to leave. Now who wrote? You ever seen anything like that? And uh, you know, we got a little project going over here. I hope it wasn't f- this wasn't from our uh, bathroom project over here, but look at this one. <laughs> it's saying, "We're going to make this thing work. I don't care what it takes." <laughs> Labor Day. Come back next year. we'll have a whole new uh, whole new list of favorite jobs, you know. Hey, the story that we're gonna be looking at today is, uh, is a familiar one. And you think, okay, all right, how are you gonna tie this in, Pastor? Uh, when I think about jobs to do, Jesus, the, the, one of the things I love about Jesus is he does not complicate things, he simplifies things. In fact, religion has this tendency to complicate things. Jesus always had a tendency to simplify what we try to make complicated. And he essentially said, we have got two jobs that that we're calling you to do. Two jobs I'm calling you to do. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at those. And we're gonna ask ourselves first of all, uh, do we understand that? Is this something we've signed up for? And then secondly, for most of us here that are familiar, we're gonna say, how can I do that job that God's called me to do better? How can we do it better? I wanna take you to an occasion. In Mark's version, chapter 12, It's a little bit more uh, to the point. Uh, Mark's gospel, some of you may know, is the first of the gospels that were written, so the other gospels probably had it to read and to reflect on. Over in Matthew, it expands a little bit and it kind of talks about this gathering of a group of religious leaders. You recognize them as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Sometimes the word scribes are used to describe these uh, these religious leaders. And it's interesting because at this point in Jesus' ministry, uh, they're not uh, legitimate questions. Usually the questions that they're posing to him are trying to trip him up. They're trying to trick him or trap him. And this was one of those occasions. Uh, Matthew's version says that, that a, a, an expert in the law okay, threw out a question, and it was a very simple question. He says, Jesus, Which one of the commands is the most important? In fact, if you're looking at chapter 12 and you begin in that, that's how that section begins. It says one of the scribes came up, and this is verse 28 I'm looking at, and he heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him which commandment is the most important of all? That's quite a statement. and, and we have to appreciate a little bit of the backdrop here because, you know, th- these Jews, they took the Ten Commandments and they expanded it into 613 laws. And among those, they would have all these derivatives. There were thousands of regulations that they were striving to live up to. Um, the dispute that he's referring to there is the fact that these parties, these factions, divided up over which ones were the most important. So this, this expert in the law knew that by asking Jesus this question, he was gonna have a 50-50 chance of, of saying something that was going to make the other side mad. It was, it was going to put him in a, a contradictory state. Kind of like the condition we find ourselves today, kind of in the climate that we're in. It's like we're so divided, and it doesn't matter what you say, you know you're gonna probably make half of the people mad, right? That's what this guy wanted to do to Jesus. He wanted to trap him, he wanted to trick him, or set him up you know, for something that was gonna compromise him. And Jesus, just in the beauty of this, he just says, you know what? I'm gonna take not your 613 laws, Not even your 10 laws that you were given by Moses. I'm gonna reduce those 10 laws down to just two. Two things, two jobs that I'm going to encourage you to to obey. The first one is is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, to love him. And the second one that we're gonna look at is, is to love your neighbor, love people in the same way that you're loving God. Allow that love of God to, to translate down into the way that we love people. Now, I don't know how you are, but I'm kind of a bottom line person. I can, I can talk to people and you know, they can go all over the place and go here, there, and everywhere, you know, with, with their thoughts or their suggestions and everything. A lot of times in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, let's just get to the point. You ever been there? Let's just get to the bottom line. I can only handle so much personally. I, I kind of relayed this to, to my golf game, which isn't n- anything really to talk about. Uh, when I go play golf, and I, you know, I've done it over the years, and I don't do it that often, but almost every time you go out, especially if, if you go out with somebody better than you are, they're gonna give you a pointer, or two, or three. <laughs> and I mess my whole game up if I start thinking about what they're telling me. In fact, tell you the truth, there's only three things that I pay attention to. I pay attention to where my hands are on the club, I pay attention that my left arm is is straight like this, and I pay attention to focus on the target. And those are the three things almost every time I stand up to to the ball. I can't handle much more than that. Some of you are much, much better maybe at that. But I I stopped and I thought about that. Jesus, he works with you if you're that kind of person. He's saying here's the bottom line. This is all I want you to really concentrate on. And I, I think this time of the year, as we're kinda of getting ramped up for our ministry season, we're gonna, we're gonna do the next several weeks, uh, a series, as you can see, called This Is Us. This is us. This is who God's called us to be. And not just in general as Christians or followers of Christ, but North Shore Christian Church has some distinctives. God's done some amazing things here. You can even see through the trailer that we started with that, that uh, there are amazing opportunities that are in front of us, some that we've already walked through the door. We're gonna be talking about some of the things that propel us, some of our core values in the next couple of weeks. In three weeks, I wanna be able to share with you, Lord willing, uh, some vision, some things, the preferable future that we're trusting God for us. We're looking out and projecting out over the next several months and even years, okay? We're going to be looking down the road and saying, what is God calling North Shore to be? And how are we going to carry that out? And all those things are important. But friends, today, in this setting, as we all come together as one, in this one service, I just thought, what, what, what better thing could we do than to focus on the foundation, the basic premise of what all of the rest of this Lies on. In fact, Jesus said, everything that the law and the prophets have taught you have been summed up into those two things love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Two things, two jobs that He's called us to do. So, for just a few minutes this morning, could we just kind of wrap ourselves around that? What does that mean? What did. What did the Lord intend for us as he challenged us along these lines? Well if you got the notes on the way in, I want you to look first of all at loving God. And you can tell first of all from this this very scripture the priority that this has. It it doesn't get any clearer than him saying which commandment is the most important. Most important of all. And I just wanna pause a moment and think You know, to to really nail down that. There's so many things this life in the Lord is all about and so many things that we value and so many things that that we put up at the top of the the priority. And yet Jesus, he he just zeroes in and he makes it clear that it's about loving God. That's where it's all going to start. That's where it's all going to flow out of. He shares a process of this. And you know that he's quoting from Deuteronomy here, but think about this. These these four things that he describes, he's essentially saying love God with everything that you are, everything that you hope to be, that all of this is wrapped around the love of God. And, And he uses these phrases, and I think about these. First of all, the truth, when it's observed, okay, when we recognize the truth, this is, this is understanding from our mind. This is why you can say, "Love God with all of your mind." This is your intellect. This is our understanding. This is engaging our thoughts and wrapping them around what God has spoken, what and what He um, what He has revealed to us. Our emotions, when they are touched, this is our soul. A soul is an interesting thing. Not used that many times in Scripture, and it kind of encompasses who you are, your personality. But I, I often see it as the seat of our emotions. It's where you feel. It's where you are uniquely a person, and it's from this place that we express our love to God. That's where you're loving God with your soul. And then he talks about our heart. When you're moved by, in your will, it's your heart that, that is expressing itself. That's why he says, give me your heart, that part of you that decides, that chooses to love God. You're gonna make this a volitional choice of ours. And then finally, he says our body, uh, our strength, everything that we have with our body. Uh, Corinthians tells us that the, that the body is the temple of the Spirit of God. So it encompasses who he is in us, and, uh, and through the strength that he gives us, we offer that back, back to the Lord. So he's talking about a process here, but, but uh, the thing that probably stands out to me in this particular subject is the practice. How do we love God? You know, a few minutes ago Josh was leading us through a time of worship and the rest of the worship leaders and when we come together at North Shore on a weekend service collectively as a community of faith and we come with a heart sold out to the Lord and we want to to praise Him outwardly, vocally, this is what I, I think loving God, this is a love expressed to God. We express our love to God in our worship. But then there's another facet here. It's expressed in our love for God. You might not see much of a difference, it's subtle, but our love for God over and over again is expressed in our obedience that we uh, manifest or that we, we practice before God. It's our obedience. Watch what the scripture says. Over in John 14, whoever has my commandments and he keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. He goes on to say, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him, make our home with him Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. Could it be any clearer, friends, that our love for God is, is expressed through our obedience, through, through what we do um, in response to what he has shown us? And I have, I have something, you know, I told the teachers on uh, Wednesday, uh, I was sharing something, every once in a while I run across something that I call laminatable, laminatable. In other words, it, it's, it's something I want to keep before me a, a lot, and so I'll write it out, and I'll laminate it, and I'll keep it maybe in the back of my Bible or on my desk or you know, by my desktop or something like that, and every once in a while I'll just pull it out to refresh myself. And because this is so fundamental, because it's so foundational to our walk with God to obey him, uh, this, is, this is something that I try to look at with, with some regularity. When I talk about my love for the Lord is expressed in my obedience, Here's four things that I'd like to keep before me. First of all, I need to obey when he wants. When he wants. And the word I would use there is immediately. If we stop and debate something, or we stop and we consider it, or look at all the pros and cons and all that, you know what usually happens? We default to a place where we just don't do it, right? If you stop and you think about it, you contemplate it, or you weigh it out, usually your flesh is going to win that battle. You're not going to do it. And that's why you have to almost be resolved at the start. When the Lord tells me to do something, I just flat need to do it. I need to carry it out right then and there. And times like this, when we come together and we hear the Word of God spoken, and if that Word comes through clearly, and you 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 just kind of you're you're sorting through it and you're weighing it out, as soon as the Spirit makes it clear, you do it immediately. I think the second one is how He wants, and I would say completely, (laughs) completely. Not 75%, not 50%. And, and when I read that, you want to know there's a story that I go back to and I think about. Uh, it was King Saul, maybe you remember this in, in Samuel's uh, you know, book, that Saul was told to go and take care of the Amalekites. Amalekites always represented sin. They were the ones that hampered the, the children of Israel on their way into the, the promised land. And, and, and God wanted to finally deal with this. And he sends Saul and he says, I want you to, to get rid of him completely. And I want you to get rid of their king, Agag, and all of this. And he goes and, and he, he not only doesn't get rid of all the, the or he uh, keeps some of the plunder for himself, but he brings King Agag back so he can kind of proudly present that I got the victory over this king. And when Samuel confronts him, He says, what do you think you've done here? And he says, well, I've done just what you told me. And he says, well, what's this bleeding of sheep that I hear? You didn't do it completely. You didn't follow the Lord completely. You've held on to some of this which he specifically said not to do. And he says, oh, 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 that. (laughs) He says, the men that you gave me, they held on to some of these so that they could offer up a burnt offering or a sacrifice to God. And then that classic phrase, remember what he said? He said, do you think that God's interested in your sacrifice, your burnt offerings? He said he would much rather have an obedient heart that is willing to do completely what he's asked you to do than to maybe set aside what we think is a sacrifice on our terms. And he says, you know what, Saul? From this day, from this day, God's gonna look for another king. He can't trust you. He can't depend upon you to do what he's asked completely. It's a great reminder, isn't it? That God, when he says, an obedient heart does it completely. Uh, Another word that comes out with an attitude that God wants, to do it joyfully, not begrudgingly, but to be joyful about that. And that joy is a deep, deep word, knowing that even Jesus, this summer, one of the verses that just seems to be resonating with me over and over again is Hebrews 13, where it says Jesus fixed his eyes upon the cross, for the joy that was set before him. How could a cross be joy? That just, I wrestle with that. But it's because that's what the Father's will was for his life, so that you and I could have salvation. And he did it with joy, because he knew he was doing the Father's will. Friend, that's what joy is all about. It's carrying out the Father's purpose, the Father's will. Doing it immediately, doing it completely, doing it joyfully and the last thing when we talk about loving god it's with the consistency consistency that god wants and that that word would be uh, continually that we do that i uh i just know that that when we talk about loving god here at north shore uh, pretty much for the time that i've been here that we have set that as our foundation you can see it all over our campus and the words loving god loving people we talk a lot about making disciples and carrying out that, that mission. But what I tell you, it doesn't get any more pure and foundational, and, and if there was a defining moment in Jesus' ministry with uh, these, these folks he taught, this time in front of this lawyer, he said this is the most important thing, love God with all, all your mind, all your heart, all your strength, everything that you've got, your, your soul, wrap it up behind that. And can I just ask you today, does that describe your walk with God today? When we talk about our mission here at North Shore, if, if we're carrying out what we believe God calling us to do, then we're gonna help folks just like you, and I don't care where you're at on the spiritual continuum, you might be a newborn, you might not even be there yet. Maybe you're just kinda seeking and beginning to, to explore what a, a life uh, in Christ would look like, but maybe you're seasoned, maybe you've been around a long time, but I guess I just want to ask you, would you say that you're more deeply in love with God this year than maybe a year ago or three years ago or five years ago? And would the evidence of that be because you see in your heart a willingness when he lays something in front of you that he's saying, this is, this is what I'm asking you to do, that your heart now more instinctively says, Lord, I don't care what it means, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Maybe it's uncomfortable, maybe it's awkward, maybe it's just downright hard. You know, the things that Jesus told us here, they are hard, but they're not complicated. They they might be risky, but they're not dangerous. (laughs) And that's what he asked. Do you love God with everything that you are? Now the second piece to that, he says it's like the first one. And that's, that's where it now focuses out into our relationships and the people that we, we are around. And again, scripture is so clear. And I have to contribute this to John because not only in John's gospel does a lot of this that we draw from, but in his little epistles, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, he talks so much about this. And uh, when he said, The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no other commandments greater than these. The question we have to ask ourselves then, how do I love my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor? You know, we we can talk about specifics in just a moment, but again, let's just lay a deeper foundation. When we talk about loving somebody else, one of the questions we have to ask, where does that love come from initially? It's kind of like a source, it's kind of like water. If you were challenged to give somebody some water, You'd say, well, okay, well, where am I going to get the water? What if you were out in the desert and there just was none to be found? You'd say, well, you know, I'm depending on some other sort. I'm depending on something to provide that water in the first place. Well, the love that we're called, follow this carefully the love that we're called to pass on to others comes from God Himself, it's His love. And in this first point, as you're looking at your note, it starts with the love of God. The love of God. Listen to what John says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. We love because he first loved us. So the love, essentially, it's all starting. It's kind of like the, the, the top of the well. It, it's coming from him and loving God and carrying out these commands, even this o- obedience, it is, it is, it is all gonna be generated from him. It starts with him and that love that he puts inside of us. Now watch, he puts it inside of us so that we now in turn can give it back to him. And that's why I said this moves us to love our love for God. It's kinda of like a rotation. He puts it in, all of a sudden it, it goes out toward him. It this is not something you generate. <laughs> This is not something you originate. This is something God puts inside of you and then it comes back. This is why over in the the Gospels it says, he who believes in Jesus Christ, there are rivers of of living water that are going to flow out of them. You are never intended to be the the old lone object in yourself. You, You are basically, he puts it in so that you become more like his son and then that's expressed back toward him. It's just this constant flow. and. And that's where it all is gonna be generated. And then, on that basis, he says, the result is going to be now you know you've got the substance, you've got what it takes to begin to love your neighbor as yourself. Look at John 4, 1 John 4, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, if we, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And um, so many scriptures are saying this now, since God has put that love in us, we've expressed it back to him, and now it's gonna start playing out in this relationship that we have uh, with each other. Why is that important? Friends, what we're doing right now in this room uh, is one thing. This is our, our worship to God. This is what we do collectively as a community. But this loving one another is, is in our opinion, practiced uh, more fully, more completely, more ideally in a smaller environment. It almost has to because if, we, if I sat here before you this morning and I shared a few of the needs that I'm aware of and I threw out names and I threw out the crisis that they're going through right now, a lot of you go, oh wow, that's too bad. you know, And you'd probably forget by the time that you walked out of the room. You probably would and that's understandable. But I'll tell you what, if you're in a group of four or six or 10 or 12 people that you have begun to do your life together with, and something happens of that nature to that group, do you know how exponentially your heart is wrapped, and you learn about caring, and you learn about loving, you learn about giving yourself away because you're in relationship. And this is why I just, I think, is a backdrop of our vision. Here at North Shore, when we talk about these two priorities, loving God and loving others or loving people, this is kind of what our mission is. Our mission at North Shore is to provide a relational environment where participants experience authentic community and a spiritual growth, a setting where spiritual growth can occur. Now let's talk specifically, you know, about that. What are we talking about with those two two things? A community. Um, One of the first words that come to my mind when we talk about getting into life groups and these smaller environments and why they're such a high priority, I wanna ask you a question this morning. Is there anybody in your life, in your world, who has the right to challenge you in your walk with God? I mean really challenge you at a core level. Do you have a close enough relationship with anybody that can speak truth to you in a way like, like maybe nobody else can. Some of you say, well I've got a wife that does that and I would say amen, I've got that too. <laughs> okay, but I also have some brothers that have the right to do that and I've given them the right to do that. It's called accountability and it's one of the things that happens in these environments so that we can learn how to love one another better. Uh, a place where there's belonging. In this world today where people are so isolated, I don't know about you, but I'm just observing some things happening these days kind of in the culture. It just seems like people are getting a little bit tired of this isolation, of just having their heads stuck in a screen and not even communicating or knowing how to communicate. We're gonna need to learn this all over again. And the place we do that are gonna be in these small environments, these relational environments. It's why it's such a high priority, another word that comes to my mind is the care that is given. These are environments where you're truly cared for. It just thrills my heart when I hear about the response that some of our groups make to the needs. And you know, I need to say this out loud because there was a time a number of years ago when North Shore was structured where we do a lot of programs, a lot of big splash type programs where it would make a big difference and we'll still do some of that. I think we did that a few weeks ago when we, uh, we shared, what was it, 350 backpacks with the kids over Casino Road, you know? I like that kind of thing, and I like to make that kind of difference. But friends, the one thing we don't talk enough probably about is what's happening in the smaller, relational, local ministry things. Somebody in a group comes in a crisis. Maybe they can't make their rent that month. And we don't go to the general pool over here to draw from. You know what happens? Those 12 or 14 or 16 people rally around that person and help them in that time. Some of them have children that are going through crisis and we find that they, they just rush to, to be there. Somebody's hospitalized, going through a surgery or going through a real, um, you know, kind of a, a, a major disrupt in their life. And, and I kind of scratch my head because, you know, it used to be the day, all oh, they'd call the pastor. Pastor, have you visited them in the hospital? I'll come to find out five, six, eight people from their group have already visited them. And that's what we're talking about. That's what what community is. That's what we wanna build. We wanna build a place where spiritual growth is happening. I don't know about you, but I don't like to stay the same just at one plane without being stretched or grow. Sometimes you don't know whether you do unless you go back and evaluate, do you? and say, how far have we come from? It's like being on a journey, you know, look at your map and say, okay, well, we used to be here, but now we're here. Where are you at today spiritually? Are you in a setting where you're open to be challenged and to be stretched into a new horizon? Here at North Shore, we use kind of a a paradigm, and the way that we do things a little different than a lot of churches. We kind of look at this process we go through in the spiritual life stages. John did this, the same one we're reading. John did this in one of his little epistles where he said, I speak to you as fathers, I speak to you as young men, I speak to you some of you as children. And that's okay, that's just life. Some of us are at a various life stage, but we want to move on. We don't want to get stuck in one's place, do we? We want to continue to be stretched and to move on. This is the structure, this is kind of the, this is kind of the, uh, the environment that we want this loving one another. But when we talk about specifically, what does it look like? What do we, if we were gonna take away today a challenge and we were gonna do our job better, and I said, your job is to love God with all your heart, and you walked away today and said, well, how can I do that better than I've ever done before? I'm working on a series of messages right now for, for November, actually. Uh, I've never gone down this road before, but we're gonna, we're gonna take a look at how we do our work, our literal vocational work, to the glory of God. We've talked about our spiritual work that we're called and, and, and our ministries and things like that, but how do you take, how do you take this job and love it? <laughs> you know what I mean? How do, you, how do you do it in a way that really glorifies God? You pray for me as we're kind of putting this together, because I think, friends, this is so fundamental. About, about our journey and if I stop but I, today I thought how are you going to love God better how are you going to love your neighbor better than maybe we've, we've done Damien and Daniel shared a message just a few weeks ago maybe you were here the weekend they talked about the good Samaritan do you remember that and, and you know what if you just go back to that story it really lays it out for you doesn't it it lays it out for you. In fact, I, I jotted down and I, I was thinking about their message and uh, I thought, you know, just a few little hints that we can get from that example that Jesus shared is first of all, have compassion. <laughs> let's just care. Let's, let's, let's have compassion for some of the needs that are around us. Let's, let's be um, comprehensive about uh, what, we, what we plan to do to, to meet that need. That's what the Good Samaritan did. I thought about it that uh, he, he cared the immediate needs. It wasn't kind of the long range stuff. It was like, man, this guy, he, just, he needs some bandages. He needs to be picked up. He needs, he needs to, um, you know, be cared for right now. I thought about, um, he, even, he provided some transportation. Now his was a donkey, and you might say, well, I don't have a donkey, Pastor. Okay, some of you have a Mustang. Um, <laughs> or some other variety. And I can't tell you how many times I hear folks, I said, you know, I'd I'd come to North Shore but I don't have a ride. I don't have a way to get there. That sounds like almost incomprehensible but yet I think think some of that's just true. You might have a neighbor. You might have somebody that's near within your proximity that all it would take was an invite and a ride. (laughs) Put them on your donkey, you know. Take him in. And I, I couldn't help but notice that one of the ways he loved him was he took care of his short-term uh, needs, like housing. And, and he personally got financially involved in that. And I know this is a sensitive area because we see people all the time around our community, you know, that that are looking for some help, looking for some thing. You, you know are little notes that they put in the front And there's all kinds of things that go through our head about, oh, they'll just squander it, or, oh, that's, you know, maybe uh, fostering too much dependent, all that. I don't know about all that. All I know is way back in the Old Testament, God said, you know what? You're going to have the poor. You're going to have the poor around you all the time. Nothing's new under the sun. And I want you to be the type of people that are compassionate, that are sensitive, and that will obey me if I prompt you. To, to do something proactive in a given century. Those are just a few little examples of what we can do and put into practice. So we started off today and I prayed and I said, Lord, we don't want to be just hearers of the word. Most of what I've shared this morning is not new stuff. Okay? This has been foundational here at North Shore. It's just a reminder, isn't it? It's kind of a checkup. But I need this. I need to hear this. I've said out loud, you know, and I try to be very real with you, one of the areas that, that I wanna grow in is an area of compassion. I, I, I worry these days because we are bombarded by media and things like that so much about the pain and the hurt around us, you can become numb to it just by the sheer volume. And that may, I may be a, a product of that perhaps, just by the volume of, of what I do. Uh, in the ministry that God's called me because I hear every single day just, just gut-wrenching stuff, gut-wrenching stuff. And, you know, it's almost like a self-protective mode. This week, my daughter was with us uh, with my two grandkids. And, um, and one of the leaders that was a youth pastor in her life back in the Florida days uh, became a pastor in Jupiter, Florida, just young, probably mid-30s. And his two young daughters got the flu, got the flu. And they were sick and he put on Facebook and my daughter was reading that. And a few days later his wife got the same flu. Only this time it it took a, a turn and she was hospitalized and this all transpired over last weekend. And on Tuesday she passed away. Young mom, 35 years old, two beautiful kids and a pastor of this church there in Jupiter. And I just, it's just gut wrenching when I hear about things, and, and I just hope that, that I don't lose that sensitivity or the compassion that God's called us to by the, the needs that come immediately. Once again, if I could just even think out loud, this is another reason why we have the dynamic of groups, is because you were, never, you were never intended to carry the load of everybody. You can't carry the load of everybody. I can't carry the load of everybody. I remember seeing a little cartoon one time of a shepherd, and he had 22 sheep on his back, you know, and he, he never was intended to carry the sheep that way. But in your groups, it's manageable, isn't it? With eight or 10 or 12 people, and when thing hap- things happen and life happens, it's manageable. And that's where it was intended to learn to grow to love God and to love your neighbor. And that's what I hope that uh, as we, it's kind of the gun goes off for this, this ministry year, that that's what we'll shoot for, amen? amen? Amen, I hope you'll come back next week. Next week, we're gonna take a dive into, into some of the things that guide us, our values that guide us along these ways and get real specific uh, with our challenge. But um, I wanna pray uh, just real quickly for this and then I'm gonna invite Damien to come up and he's gonna close us out with, uh, with some instructions of what we get to do from here on out, all right? Let's pray together. Father, uh, today, as we humbly bow uh, before you in your presence, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't complicate things. I thank you that you moved from complication to simplicity. And this is something—this is something—that's not, not going to trip us up. It's—it's it's not going to uh, be uh, too difficult. And yet, Lord, we know we cannot do it on our own. We need you. Lord, would you put your love inside of us? If there's a person today that, that happened to come to the service, that maybe they're on that search mode, maybe, maybe they're just beginning to explore what a relationship with you is all about. Maybe today's that day that, that they sense your spirit is calling them to something deeper, something greater. Because ultimately, Lord, what you want from us is a relationship. And maybe there's a person in the room today that's ready to take that step towards you and stop going away from you. If that's where you're at today, just cry out to him. He said himself, if you'll believe in me, he said, you will be saved. And you could put your trust in him today just by telling him, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? I want to serve you with my whole heart, my whole life. And I'm going to invite you today to come into my life and make my heart your home. I receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. And you know, just that simple prayer, Lord, is kind of amazing, but something transformational begins to kick into gear, and something's going to happen in the next few hours, the next few days that's going to change everything. And I look forward to that unfolding for someone here that's just prayed that. Lord, as a congregation, can we carry out your purpose to not only love you through our worship and, and even through our obedience, but Lord, that we can express this and prove that love by the love we have for each other. Maybe there's an area specifically that's a challenge today, and we haven't been willing to go there, but today, out of obedience to you and your prompting, we're gonna go there, and we're gonna go there by faith in what you've called us to do. So we commit ourselves to this end. I pray for the church. I pray for us as North Shore. Lord, you've called us out into this community to be set apart, to be a light upon the hill. And wherever you move us, wherever you prompt us, God, we want to be in step with your spirit and what you want to do as your kingdom is, is brought here and people can see it reflected in your people and even in collectively your church. So I just, I just trust you with all this today. God, I am utterly, utterly dependent upon you um for for all that we've just asked for for the love for the guidance for the direction for the insight for the vision and um, and we just look forward to to see what unfolds with great anticipation god be be with each one today and just deepen the the relationships even through this special time we get to share and just relax with one another and and to just kind of kind of just be um, as a church so We commit all this to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.